Business. I'm your host Shannon. I'm Donna. And I'm Z. And tonight we are officially kicking off season two of Supernatural with the first episode In My Time of Dying, which gets to pick up from the first season cliffhanger with the boys and John in a very, very smashed up baby. So that's what kicks off this second season. Any thoughts between season one and season two with the, of course, we don't have to wait, you know, but mm -hmm. the time difference in what was going on then and what's going on now? You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I think all the time about the different experience between binge watching something and watching it. Because I, I did, I think I watched the first seven or eight seasons of Supernatural as a binge watch. Right. And I'm just trying to imagine it. Because, you, boy, you do. You get fond of those characters. Those are some... Those are some characters you really get attached to. And having to spend the entire summer waiting to find out what happened. Whew. So yeah. it's, it's really nice to just click the button and jump right into the next episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I can't imagine, because it always seems like, especially when it through the first season of any new show, you know, there's like always rumors that it's going to get canceled or whatever. I just cannot imagine having had that cliffhanger and then, you know, hearing from a friend or something like, oh, they're canceling Supernatural. Like... That would have traumatized. Yeah. Yeah, that would have sucked. <laughs> that cliffhanger itself was what made me really happy that I had the first three seasons on DVD all at once, mm -hmm. was so that I didn't have to wait to see what you know was going to happen next. It was a it was an instant gratification situation. <laughs> so after we get past our initial scene, uh, we have the meta flight. We have Sam not knowing whether or not Dean's alive or Dad's alive. And then we open up in the hospital, and of course we open on Dean, and Dean can't get anybody to talk to him. Can, can I back up just yeah, real quick sure. to the opening scene, though? Sure. Uh, and this, this comment goes out to all the gamers out there. Sam made his bluff check. <laughs> Whoa, boy. When the uh, demon-possessed truck driver yanks the door off baby, and Sam says, I'll kill you, and the demon is like, nah, you're saving that bullet for someone else. Sam made his bluff check. <laughs> yeah, I, I can definitely agree with that. And I also loved when the demon left the truck driver. I love that the first thing the truck driver said was, oh my god, did I do that? Horrified. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that brings up another question in that, like, whenever Meg was possessed... She said that she had seen everything that the demon had done. Mm -hmm. And so with this, the truck driver didn't know what had happened. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if it's a compartmentalization thing, like the demon can let people see mm -hmm. what's going on or choose not to. I kind of imagined it as like a, like Meg had been in, in there for a over year. a year. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of imagined that at one point you like almost like coming out of a coma I guess like you're remembering things a bit more and you're like wait a second like this isn't how this is supposed to be and that demon was probably possessing the truck driver for all of like five minutes right yeah because I mean I, I'm assuming it was specifically to take out the Winchesters yeah yeah look also, there's a truck near the Winchesters I'm gonna get him yeah Okay, so now we're in the hospital. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yay. Uh, so it's a little cliche, of course, what they're doing with the, hey, can you hear me? Why can't you hear me? Can you see me? Why can't you see me? Kind of thing. But, yeah, I guess it's okay. My thought on my first view when Sam, or I'm sorry, when Dean went up to that nurse and kind of waved his hands in his face. Her. Yeah, my first thought was, any woman, or for that matter, most men, who are not looking up when Jensen Ackles is trying to get your attention. Yeah. 
your son-in-law. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So where do we want to go with this? Who who has something fun and interesting that they want to talk about? There's there's not a whole lot of lore, I don't think, with this. We already had an episode on Reavers. Right. So that was where we got a lot of our lores last time. Yeah. I really liked a lot of what was going on with Dean, even though it felt a little contradictory to me. When he got the heart damage, he was just like, let me die. It's over. Right. Let me die. And in this one, he was like, fuck that. No. I'm not dying. I'm not giving up. There's no such thing as an honorable death. He was very adamantly opposed to the idea of dying. Well, it, I don't know. I kind of thought, because they're, like, in the final stages of this battle with the demon, whereas last time, like, they had no idea what was going on. Like, they couldn't find mm-hmm. Dad. It was kind right. of like, the stakes weren't as high. Right. I can buy that. Yeah, and this this is, like you're saying, this is the end game. Now they have... Mm-hmm. the light at the end of the tunnel and they don't want to give up so yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right i'll give you that one okay but dean was suspicious of dad yeah that was really interesting when sam asked dad if he knew what was going on and then left the room and dean was like oh you know something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was uh that was nice to see and dean's demand of course he was you know a ghost and couldn't be heard but his right. demand for recognition that was nice to be. That was nice too, because Dean has been the good, loyal little soldier for so long. Right. And uh, it was nice to see. It was nice to see him standing up for himself. Now the thing is, though, and, and I think this is because he has to automatically become the mediator and peacemaker between John and Sam. But as soon as he comes back fully to himself. That all goes away, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And he finds himself back in that role that he's been in for his entire life. And like I say, I I think it's just because he has to keep Sam and John from killing each other at that point. I did want to mention the the ingredients that Dad wanted to get. Um, The what? The ingredients that Dad wanted to get. Ingredients. Okay, I thought you said the angry dance. That's what I heard, too. I was like, what angry dance? I don't remember an angry dance. Okay, (laughs) so about the ingredients. (laughs) Yeah, so I wanted to mention that the ingredients, ingredients. Yay! That Dad mentions when he asks Sam to go get stuff from Bobby, and he mentions acacia and amber oil of amberlin, I think. Mm-hmm. And the oil is biblical, and acacia is symbolic for the immortality of the human soul. Ooh, so it's another one of those like brief things that they mention that because I know they've mentioned other ingredients before in right. like, their hex bags and stuff. So there's a little bit of lore for this time. Very I cool. have a question for Z. Yes. Okay, you ready? No. Okay. <laughs> when Dean got mad. And he knocked the water glass off the table, and he said, Oh, I totally swayzied that mother. Do you know what that meant? Yes, it's from Ghost. Yes. Oh, my Jesus! Yay! <laughs> yes. I know memes. Okay. <laughs> I should also say the movie. <laughs> okay, I just, okay. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. So, the, the other fun, I don't know, party trick, I guess, was the Ouija board. I thought that was a very connecting moment for Sam and Dean mm-hmm. to be able to sit there and to do that. And I can only imagine what the outtakes were like. I, I, I may have to look for the outtakes on that scene. Yes. But it was it was such a bonding moment yeah. for them 
Because, of course, you've got Sam, who's trying to figure out for sure what is going on. And Sam's very trusting in that. Sam's, Sam's very trusting that it is Dean that's talking to him, and not just some random spirit, which it, it totally could have been. Yeah. So, I, I just thought that that was, it was a great moment for them to get together, to connect, and to continue to do what it is that they do. Because Dean was already continuing his hunt in the spirit world with Tessa and the, the creepy thing that's floating around mm -hmm. that he later finds out is a reaper. Sam is stuck in the mundane world trying to make sure that Dad's okay, that Dean's okay. and So I thought it was a great way for them to be on a hunt together, mm -hmm. but technically in different realms. What I really liked about that scene was that the way that it was set up, it really showed you how in tune they already were together. Because... Mm -hmm. It was almost like they were having a conversation, but they weren't. Yeah. And if you, like, broke down their responses individually, then, like, you could tell that Sam wasn't responding to Dean. He was just kind of putting the pieces together. But right. I just, I really like the way that they it set up that really scene. It was a really nicely done scene. Mm. Yeah. One thing I noticed that just made me laugh, the box that Sam carries into the room mm -hmm. says, Mystical Talking Board. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's because, if I'm not mistaken, Ouija is trademarked by Milton Bradley. Really? If I'm not mistaken. Now, I, I, this is just uh, what I'm pulling off of my head from seeing things before. I may be totally wrong. But I'm pretty sure it is trademarked by Milton Bradley. So... Mystical Talking Board. Yeah. But there are other yeah. things that I, I think... Similar to Ouija board, but yeah. legally different. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. This is what we can get away with without our lawyers. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's funny. So the other thing that we get introduced in this episode is an actual Reaper that they know by name now. Yes. And that is Tessa. Mm -hmm. Tessa, I just... I like her. Yeah. This is a minor little spoiler, but this isn't Tessa's only appearance. And I just, I really like her. I think the actress is great. I think that she has great chemistry with, with Jensen. And I think that they play off of each other really well. Okay. Uh, we also learn a lot more about Reapers in this episode in that we learn that Reapers can control how humans perceive things because Tess mm -hmm. is able to see to make Dean see her physical form laying in a bed whenever it's actually not there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she can make him see her as Tessa instead of as the creature that Dean's been hunting, which is actually what a Reaper looks like. Mm -hmm. Do we ever see them look like that again? No. I don't think so. No, but we see them look like the previous one. And the old the, man. Yeah, where he's just in the suit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but we don't see them in the weird, wraithy okay. apparition. I didn't think we did. Unless, and again, minor spoilers, but unless they are specifically interacting with the Winchesters on like a personal level, they look like the wrinkly old men mm -hmm. constantly. Oh, we did learn that because so far what we've heard is that angry spirits come about from a traumatic death. Right. But the way that Tessa explained it is it's not just that. It's when they get to the afterlife and they're, or you know, in that in-between stage right. or whatever and they but, don't want to leave. Right. They which, can't go back into their bodies, but they choose not to go on. Well, let's talk mm -hmm. about that for just one second because I feel like there was actually a little bit of an oversight here because the hunter's funeral, they burn that body. Mm -hmm. Right. And one of the specific reasons they burn the body is to prevent them coming back as a ghost. That's 
kind of pretty established. But Dean, at one point, talks about his corpse rotting in the ground, and then she talks about him becoming an angry spirit. But that's kind of... I think it was more for, like, dramatic purposes. Because I can't see Sam and John not giving him a hunter's funeral Mm -hmm. if he had actually died. Yeah. Also, I think everybody just, it's kind of understood that most people get buried. Like, I want to be cremated, and I still say, when I'm buried one day, like, I think it's just kind of... I'm dead and buried. Yeah. I also want to be cremated. Consider this legal notice. And then planted under a rose bush or dropped in the ocean. One or the other. I I, I want to be made into a tree. Shannon, where are your death wishes? (laughs) Not to die. (laughs) Well then, okay. (laughs) So, yes, I will be the next angry spirit. Um, Had to be one of us. Yeah, (laughs) well, you know, I gotta have some purpose in life. So guys, I think at this time what we are going to go ahead and do is take a break real quick. So I will go ahead and have Miss Donna share some information with you guys. If you guys would, please come visit us on iTunes or Google Play and give us a rate, a review, and subscribe. That really helps us out. And you can talk to your friends about us, tweet about us, let people know that there's this cool podcast talking about this cool show. And we would really appreciate that. Interact with us on social media. On Instagram, you can find us at thefamilybusiness underscore SPN fancast. And on Twitter, you can find us at TFB underscore SDN Fancast. And then the Family Business, along with all its sister podcasts, can be found at snarkcasts.tumblr.com. Also, Snarkcasts on Facebook. And you can find all of us on the Gumby Cat Networks. That's gumbycatnetworks.com, along with a lot of other super cool podcasts, including Tragic Missile, which is a DD podcast. All right, so John Winchester. Uh, piece <laughs> I, of work. I know that we talked about this a lot last season, uh, especially in the episodes where John was was prevalent. But here again, we have him just kind of riding roughshod over Sam and Dean and their wishes and just basically doing whatever the hell he wants to. My biggest issue with this, and I get that he he did what he did in order to save his son, and I absolutely get that. You know, I, I can't say that I would have done anything differently if it was my child laying in that bed. I get it. My problem is, is that he knows what he has done, and he just basically, other than just telling Sam, hey, I don't want to fight anymore, he says, hey, go get me a cup of caffeine. Mm -hmm. And it's like, dude, this is the last chance that you're going to get to see your son, who you have spent his entire life with, pretty much either arguing, abandoning, or ignoring, and it's, hey, I don't want to fight anymore, go get me a cup of caffeine. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was like the douchiest way that he could have left their relationship. It really felt like, not now, sweetie. Well, like the adults are talking. And, and he sent Sam thing. away to talk to Dean. I have an adult son, and it is really hard to wrap your brain around the idea that they are an adult. But having said that, Sam's an adult, yeah. you know? And you could have talked to him like an adult, John. Yeah, the other thing that I was sitting there thinking of is... <laughs> is Negan compared to John Winchester. And and of course, Jeffrey Dean Morgan plays both characters. Negan, for those of you who may or may not know, uh, is in The Walking Dead. And I have an easier time of connecting and relating to Negan, who is a freaking sociopathic serial killer, 
than I do John Winchester, who is an abusive asshole, in my opinion. And don't get me wrong, I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He is mm -hmm. a great actor. I would follow him to the ends of the earth. I've loved him in everything that I've seen him do. Even whenever he plays somebody you want to just kick in the nuts and, you know, roll into a ditch and put a bullet in their head. But I just, I, I think it's so interesting that somebody who is designed to be a sympathetic loving character is the farthest from a sympathetic loving character. He, he feels like he's, he's written all over the place though. Like he, like he's definitely a terrible person. Like the things that he's doing makes him a massive jerkbag. It also feels like a lot of his dialogue and his actions that are written in feel like they are episode-based. Yeah. Like, he doesn't really yeah. seem to have, like, a character arc, I guess. It's just kind of like, douchebag, douchebag, let's see all these different ways we can make him a douchebag, and oh, God, he's gonna die! Not only is Negan a very affable character, I mean, he's likable. Right. Negan is a likable character. He's very affable, he's very friendly, but he also appears to genuinely believe that what he's doing is for the good. Right. And John Winchester does not believe that what he's doing is for the good. Right. He he, he knows he's in it for revenge. Yeah. And I, I think that is a large part of why Negan is a more likable character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I feel so terrible having, you know, those thoughts and saying those things, but it's, it's true. I mean, I would... I would much rather take my chances with Negan than John Winchester. So take that how you will. One of the things that I kind of think of about John is that with Sam and Dean, they always try to save whoever it is that's in the path of what's getting hunted. And right. while we haven't really seen John on a hunt, like other than the vampire thing, he doesn't seem like that kind of guy. Right. He doesn't seem like that, I guess it's going to have to get away so we can save somebody's life. Like. Even when he's not hunting the demon, it seems like he doesn't care about the greater good. He's much more pragmatic and much more focused on his own personal goal. Absolutely. And I think, too, like in the episode in uh, season one, Scarecrow, John had all of that information gathered already prior to Sam and Dean knowing anything about mm -hmm. it. And if I'm not mistaken, he had even already been like on that hunt for a short amount of time at one point and just abandoned it. Yeah. So, yeah, I can see your point. So, Donna, I know we didn't have very many female characters in this episode. Basically only one, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. in Tessa. So, you want to give us your thoughts and feelings on Yeah, that? I mean, with Tessa, I'm not even sure that the Reapers have a gender, but she was choosing to present as a pretty female. And in distress. What? Yeah, she was like a damsel in distress. That's very much Dean's type. Yeah, absolutely. She... She approached Dean in exactly the right way to engage with him. And I liked I liked when she started trying to talk about, you know, that's just fate. Right. And I liked when she when she realized that the game was over and she was just like, Look, you're not getting back in your body. Right. So you can stay here or you can come with me. I mean, I liked that when it came down to it, she was just very this is this is the way this is gonna work. You make your decision. So I mean, uh, there's a there's a question to be asked of whether she actually even was a female or not. But since she looked like a female, I'll talk about her. One thing that I really liked about her was whenever Dean was going off about how, you know, you, you have a choice in what you do and blah, 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 blah. 
I don't think he realized she was giving him a choice. He got to choose what happened to him. Now, it, was, it wasn't choices that he wanted to take, mm -hmm. but he got a choice. And she wasn't trying to force one or the other. Right. She was just telling him, look, this is what's available to you, and this is what's going to happen if you choose each of them. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, she did the little cop-out with, you know, I can't tell you what the ultimate goal in life is or where you're going to end up, you know. Can't give away the punchline. Can't give away the punchline, thank you. Uh, but she was very open and honest with mm -hmm. him about what would happen if he stayed. You're not getting back in your body, and eventually you're going to just go insane and become yeah. an angry spirit. And so I really liked that about, yes. about her and, and about death in itself. The fact that she, even though they're the Reapers in their natural form just look hideous and scary and all of that, they actually are giving people that release, that ultimate mm -hmm. release from the pain and the suffering and Absolutely. everything that they're going through. When she was in her natural form, she, there's that scene where she's taking the child Right. And she, like, caresses the child's face. Like, even right. when she's looking scary and, like, heinous almost. And, like, right. and she's taking the life of a child. Like, it's gentle. It's, like, this has to happen. And then the nurse is like, at least she's not in pain anymore. Right. And that was just, I, I really liked that. She wasn't a benevolent being. Like, death is a part of life. And that's really the way that they presented yeah. it in this episode. Right. I liked that. Yeah. One, one thing I do want to say, if they were actually in a hospital... Those two very attractive people would not have been running around in tight t-shirts and scrum pants. They would be in the backless gowns with their butts hanging out. <laughs> but they're two very attractive yeah. people, so let's put them in tight white t-shirts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, <laughs> the other thing that we learned about Reapers in this episode that I think is incredibly frightening is apparently they can be possessed by demons. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, now, obviously, the yellow-eyed demon is not your typical demon, because mm -hmm. typical demons have black eyes, so, you know, there's obviously something special about the yellow-eyed demon, so I don't know that just, like, any demon I, could possess a reaper, but holy crap, that's scary. It definitely made me wonder, because Tessa was very insistent that there was no way that Dean was getting back in his body, and after... He got back in his body, I thought, is that a rule that the Reapers have? Or did they just, like, really not have that power? And if well, they don't have that power, why would Yellow-Eyed Demon possess her unless he just honestly couldn't see Dean's soul? The Yellow-Eyed Demon said, I don't have that power, but I know someone who does. And so, so that's who he took over was Tessa. Yeah. So I think it is a, I think it is a situation where the Reapers do have that power, and it's like a no-go. Right, they're not going to stop. use it in order to just... Because like Tessa spent so much time with Dean saying, Hey, look, I've taken so many warriors. They've all told me the same thing. There's still a fight. Mm -hmm. There's still this. There's still all of that. And, you know, and so I think that the Reapers do have that ability. She just realized, look, you, this is your time and it needs to end. And we're just mm -hmm. not going to play those games. I liked that she was very no-nonsense about being a bitch. Yes, like, they absolutely. Did, they didn't portray her to be like this, like, listen, I don't have time for you, da-da-da-da-da. Like, she was very, like, this is this is how it is. Right. So. I had a thought. It's, it's not the first time I've had this thought, either. 
you know, when, when somebody gets possessed or the demon leaves them, there's a very long shot of the person with their mouth open and their head thrown back. And every now and then I have this thought of that smoke special effect is not there when they're standing there on screen <laughs> with their mouth open and their head thrown back. And I just, I just kind of wonder what it looks like on set when you do that. I would have a really hard time, like, not picking, like, peanuts or something up off, like, the snack table and, like, chunking it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there's probably a lot of gag reel of Jason and Jared doing that. Another thought I had was, from the beginning, for the first time I've watched this, I have thought, those yellow eyes don't really work. Oh, they don't. And you know why? They don't have any pupils. Yes. If they had pupils... Those yellow eyes would work. Well, and here's the thing, too, is, I mean, because now we're watching it in high definition, you can really see that. And you can see, I mean, it's contacts with, like, painted on stuff. Those cannot be comfortable no. at all, number one, for that poor actor. And and number two, no, they don't work. Mm-hmm. They don't. I mean, at least with the uh, with the black-eyed demons, I mean, it's the entire eye. Mm-hmm. And so it being solid black is more believable. Except for in the opening scene with the truck driver. It doesn't cover his entire eye. Like, mm-hmm. it looked like that he had contacts on. Because usually it's so, like, mm-hmm. totally black that you're like, okay, this must be, like, CGI or something. But in that one, you can see the corners of his eyes. Huh. I, I, I missed see that. I noticed it because I was like, what are you doing that's new? <laughs> it is bothering me. Gotcha. All right, guys, so we are nearing the end of this episode. Any last things that you guys want to touch on? Bobby. I want to touch on Bobby. Oh, yeah. That take when Sammy says the stuff is for protection, just the look on his face. Yes. Is a... Yeah. The other thing about Bobby with this episode that I had forgotten about that really surprised me was whenever he took Baby back to the junkyard and he was like, Basically telling Sam, just get the stuff out of the trunk, and then we will junk it because this thing isn't worth the tow. Mm. And I was like, holy crap, that's a pretty savage thing to say. Mm-hmm. Number one, about baby. Number two, about Dean's baby. It doesn't, well, it doesn't have that same sentimentality to it. It does for Dean. Like, even for... Right. John, it doesn't have that. Like, John likes it because it's a good car and he's had it for a while. But he even trades it in for a truck. Like, he gives Dean baby and then he gets a truck. So, really, like, the person that it's sentimental to is the viewer. Right. And Dean. Right. But when Sammy made the argument that this is important to Dean. Right. Bobby was like, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. Yeah. I just, I don't know. The thing that, like, stuck with me the most from this episode was how that scene where Dean begged dad to do something yeah that was hard and then he turned around in the end and his apologies were just shit that was like the biggest thing i took away from this episode Mm -hmm. were those two things and i was just like god you really suck as a parent (laughs) (laughs) so i'm just gonna say on the the john bandwagon that all three of us jump on Luckily, John's now dead, and so for future episodes, you won't have to listen to us bitch about it. That scene where <laughs> Sam drops the coffee, and then he goes, and like, before the lid even stops rolling, like he's at John's side screaming for help, that got me. Yeah. I was like, John's a dick bag, but this is And oh my god, his legs are long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did notice that Dean was in room 237, which is once again a callback to the Overlook Hotel, Stephen King's The Shining. I figured it was something, because they showed it a couple of times. Yep, room 237. Apparently the boiler room in this 
hospital is a biohazard. It had a sign on one door that said boiler room, and the sign, it was a double door, and the sign on the other side said biohazard. I'm like, that's mm-hmm. not... Unless they're boiling bodies. That's like, not just... practical or efficient. <laughs> don't cut your palm. Just don't cut your palm. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like, okay, even if you have to absolutely cut your hand, that meat underneath oh. your thumb is better, and it will heal faster, and it won't hurt as bad. I mean, just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just don't cut your palm. Jeez. Also, I don't care how pretty she was, I would not have let a reaper touch me. Hmm. There was a point when she reached out and she cupped Dean's face. Right. She no. did, yeah, she did, the, it was like the same, like, gesture or whatever she did on the little the little kid. She's not touching me. I'm sorry, not touching her. Not touching me. So, guys, we want to thank you for joining us this week, and we invite you to come back next week whenever we will be discussing episode two, Everybody Loves a Clown! Except for a couple of people that I know, but we'll go into that next time. So, until then, carry on. Jerk. Bitch. Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. Meow. Meow.